Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to the Future of Work, Water Cooler Conversations radio show and podcast, where local business leaders share how they integrate humanity and technology through innovative approaches, healthy culture, flexible workspaces, and seamless virtual technology. We are your hosts, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. This podcast is brought to you by Max6, building better communities where people and businesses thrive. And first, uh, hey, Jen, good to see you. Hello, good to see you virtually as well. I am so excited for episode one of our new podcast, The Future of Work. Um, It's an evolution from the podcast that we were doing last year to really Um, The purpose is the same to spotlight local community business leaders, but really talk about collectively what we think the future of work is going to look like and what leaders should be thinking about in all areas of their business so that we can come out of this uh, 2020 stronger than ever. So we are so excited to have Scott Marsh here to kick us off with our first episode. No pressure, Scott. Okay. (laughs) Um, But he is our resident Amaxix trainer and the owner founder of Mind and Body Strengthening. Um, And there's no one else in the world that I can think of that can help provide a little bit of inspiration, motivation, and just information on how we kickstart this year. So um, thank you so much for being on. Well, thank you guys for having me. And I feel very honored that I'm the first guest of the new podcast. I mean, I don't know if I can like live up to that or not, but uh, I'm going to do my best. You better. (laughs) No, this is great. So thanks for having me. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. So Let's just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you came from, how you got here. Like here in Arizona? Yeah. Here here in this chair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've been in the health and fitness industry for almost 28 years now. I started in physical therapy and then transitioned to uh, personal training just by chance. Um, I had patients that wanted to continue their therapy at home and then you know, over the course of maybe five years of, uh, of, of doing both, I just uh, left, you know, the physical therapy and then fully went into, into training. And then, you know, here we are today. <laughs> here you sit. Here I sit right now. So, uh, but yeah, but it's been a great journey. Um, I feel the, I love physical therapy. I love working in that aspect of it. I was patient orthopedics, but I think it gave me a great knowledge of what I have now to help people with, you know, having maybe a little bit more foresight on helping them prevent injuries and in dealing with what they currently, if they do have any currently little bumps and bruises or injuries that I can help them with, um, that I'm capable of doing that. So I think it's been, you know, that's been a critical part of my career. And um, I'm very thankful for it. I worked with a great great deal of people there, very smart people. I'm very fortunate. And um, I've been very blessed to have the clients that I've had throughout my life. And, you know, I couldn't ask for anything better. So... What if you back it up a little bit to at some point you were a kid growing up and like, yeah. what did that look like? And and it led to this interest in and uh, career in, in health and fitness. So, you know, it was never planned. You know, I grew up on a farm and, you know, I figured out early that that's, I mean, I loved it, but that's not what I wanted to do because there's a lot of work and very little money for the, you know, if you're going to have a small operation. So that really wasn't like going to be my future, even though I loved it. And so, you know, going to college was a uh, way to exit that. 
you know, so I told my dad, I said, hey, I'm going to go to college. I want to play football. Oh, who's going to help me milk the cows and bale the hay? <laughs> I said, uh, well, we'll figure that out, but I'm going. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so got that done and didn't really anticipate working in a physical therapy clinic. I knew I wanted to, I was maybe going to go towards more of a corporate fitness setting, but one of my friends had graduated a semester ahead of me, got a job at this clinic, and there was an opening, got it, and then, you know, I think it was critical, that was a critical point in my life right there. And then also, my stepdad and I have, you know, numerous friends that are on the police, are police officers. And then what I realized was after a while, you know, just looking at the effect of that, what that profession has on people, that, you know, they're dealing with people on they're not so good days and, you know, their interaction with them. And by going to work, what I was doing, I was getting people on the other side of looking, you know, people are wanting your help, wanting to get better. You know, they're engaging with you as a much happier side. And to me, that really reinforced that um, I made a right decision to, to pursue what I was doing because I really enjoy helping people, but, you know, people want my help too. So that's kind of... I think that comes... That- Oh, sorry, Kyle. <laughs> uh, I think that comes through so much in your your training with people is you light up when you see that you can help someone, but they have to meet you in the middle, right? Yeah. You're, you're not going to force a horse to drink water, whatever that saying is. You're going to, <laughs> you will go to the ends of the earth to help someone as long as they can meet you in the middle. And I think that really translates um, with everybody that you work with. And I think that's a unique that you really offer um, along with all of your expertise. So I think you definitely have a giving giver's helper's heart. Oh, well, thank you. Before we I, before we move on from the, going back there to being a kid, I have a question for both of you. And I think Jen and I have talked about this before a little bit, but uh, I'm interested. What did you think you would be? What did you want to be when you were a kid? You know, when I was little, I just never. I mean, like, and you guys might think this is crazy, but I mean, I really didn't leave the farm when I was little. I mean, we lived out, you know, five miles from town. It was r- very rural. I mean, I didn't really see a lot of people. I mean, I have a big extended family and I just, you know, grandpa and grandma lived with us and, you know, I just never really thought about what I was going to be later. You know, I wasn't like the fireman, policeman thing, whatever. Yeah. Um, just going to be on the farm. But then, you know, as you know, as you get older, you get in high school and, you know, you look at other kids and they're like, oh, you're going to get ready to go to college. I'm like, what, really? Like, you know, so I had to figure it out. And uh, so I did it all. I, you know, I essentially figured it all by myself engaging with parent, other people's parents and helping me because um, my dad wasn't helping. So that was it. Yeah. So I didn't, I mean, and then I went to college and then I thought I wanted to be a business major. Didn't really like, I took a semester of stuff like that. Nope. Transferred to the health and physical education and it just clicked. Like I just retained that information like verbatim. I mean, I just soaked it up I had, and I was for, fortunate again. I had really good instructors. The university I went to, had just built all new facilities. So we had amazing you know, kinesiology lab, biomechanics lab. I mean, we were like set up and it was so much fun. And it was like, I really enjoyed it. So that kind of like triggered it. And uh, so it was, I guess by chance, maybe I, I could have been a philosophy major. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's part of what I ask. And I'm, Jen, I'm in- interested in your answer too. But like, I don't think any of us probably are doing what we wanted to do in quotes, wanted to do as a kid, yeah. you know, the policeman, fireman thing. But like, all of us are, seem to be enjoying the hell out of what we're doing right yeah. now and helping people. And so it's an interesting, like, 
I love to see what kids want to be, but like it is almost by chance. Like, what do you see that clicks all of a yeah. sudden? You're like, whoa, that works. I love yeah. that. So Scott, I have a couple of questions okay. about that story. Um, one, I don't, I'm embarrassed that I don't know the answer to this, but do you have any brothers or sisters or any siblings? I have half sisters. Half sisters. Okay. Yeah. So you were the son on the farm and you were leaving to go to college. That seems like a big step. Can you think of other than just peripherally hearing about college? Was there one person or anything that really just sparked that? curiosity of like, Hey, more than curiosity like that, I can do this. And I want, that's my path. Like what helped guide you there? Um, well, I have like my, my dad comes from nine brothers and sisters and he was one of the older, but his oldest brother was a football coach, hall of fame, high school football coach, not only for the state of Michigan, but he got inducted to the national hall of fame. And, you know, he was a teacher. Um, he taught his ed and then his, my aunt, she was also a teacher. So they lived like an hour and a half from us. And so, I'd, you know, we'd see them during the holidays and things like that. And, you know, they're just, I mean, I think they planted a seed early, you know, of education and, you know, not really saying you should do this, but you should do this. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I, I just think over time and then seeing like my friends, but then my football coach, who is a very, very like domineering kind of personality, like crazy but like, you know, when he talks, you just listen. And, you know, I mean, he, he commanded a lot of respect, but, but he's usually right. And so, um, so yeah, he had, you know, he had his input too. And uh, he was more forthright, but, you know, and he, and he helped obviously by, you know, getting us out there and taking us and going on tours and things like that. But, um, but I think between those two um, and just knowing like, that's not where I wanted to be. I had to do something and I didn't want to stay and, you know, work construction or do something. I wanted to, you know, do, do something more because I've, I see like in our community that like it, it went nowhere and, you know, college was an exit to, you know, something better. So that's, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I love these, um, these shows that we do because even, I mean, Scott, we were talking about this earlier, like we've known each other for over five years, but I didn't know any of this. So it's such a <laughs> great time. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, sure. Cal, were you going to ask a question or did you ask me a question? And I... What did you want to be when you were, when I grow up, I want to be. Oh, I was sure I was going to be a teacher to the point where I had like lesson plans and I would force my siblings and my sister, well, my sister mostly in a room and not let them leave. <laughs> and then I had them convinced that if they left, I was going to write a letter to a referral to the principal and they were going to be in trouble. It was really more like hostage situation. Um, and that, that, that as was... I was sharing this with somebody recently, they were like, it wasn't teaching. It was control that you really wanted. And perhaps that's pretty funny. that could be very true. Um, but as I grew, I learned that I just... I love children. I love my own children, but I just, not a teacher. 2020 has definitely taught me I am not a teacher. <laughs> it's just, it's just fascinating to me that like, it's a recurring thing that comes up on this show. Like how, how did you, where did you grow up and you're sitting here and something happened in between that you got interested in this. And it's almost never like, oh, I was going to start this company. And when I was five, I knew I was going to start that company, but it's sort of this, uh, like not, it was like, how did you grow up? Which informed your work ethic and your motivations and your 
I want some power, but I also want to educate. And which thing's more important? Or I grew up on a farm. And like, I'm interested too. Like, what do you carry with you today from that background is almost more important than I, I was certain as a kid, I was going to be either one of three things, a lawyer, an architect, or a garbage man <laughs> <laughs> on equal footing. And I was like, those three are the best careers out there. They seem like the coolest things. I'm going to go do one of those. None of which I'm doing today, but I'm glad I'm not. But like how I grew up still mm-hmm. informs what I bring to work every day or yeah. to my life every day. Yeah. It's like what, I mean, growing up on a farm, like you, there must be carry through today of things that you learn, you know, work ethic, what, yeah. whatever it is. What What is something? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, days are a lot shorter now. You know, you're not, you know, get up and doing chores before you go to school, go to school, go to football practice, come home, split wood, do a ladder, do, you know, do chores again. And, you know, work is, I mean, that was work. Like working now is not work. This is fun. This is easy. You know, this is like nothing because, you know, it's just, it's just different. And, but, you know, doing all those days and doing all that stuff, it's like, it's instilled in you to, you know, get your butt out of bed and go do something, be productive. You know, things have to be done. And, uh, you know, that sticks with you forever. I mean, that doesn't leave, at least for me. So um, I have a funny story. Uh, My best friend is from Minnesota, from Marshall, Minnesota. Um, And her dad has a huge farm, um, dairy farm. And she was the oldest. um, And then she had, I think, five, four younger sisters. And then finally they had a a son at the, the very end. So he was a baby. So she was like, the head of the house, you know, doing all the work. And so she would come home for harvest when she was in college, she would even go back for harvest. And then, um, when she worked her design, her, she was an interior designer in Phoenix and she would have to fly home to Marshall, Minnesota (laughs) to do harvest in, in, you know, harvest time. And so we became really good friends. And one time, right when I bought my first new house, um, I wanted to do like some remodeling stuff. And so we're talking about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about painting a wall and I don't know, maybe I'll do this and that. She literally, like, I don't even remember what I did. I went somewhere and I came back. She had all the paint. She was ready to go. And then she <laughs> was painting for like 15 hours. And I couldn't even last for four. And she was like, I don't know. Like, what's the problem? You just keep moving. Come on, drink more coffee. Let's, let's go. go. And so I just, I love that about her so much. Is like, she just, her, like, her work ethic, hands down, um, it's not matchable. And so I, I see the same thing in you. And also the grip that you have on your hands <laughs> and the way that you can get like knots out of muscles, that has to be some way correlated to your, yeah. your farm life. You use your hands a lot. <laughs> like milking cows makes your hands very strong. That's every time I introduce Scott to a group, I tell, you know, he's the founder and owner of Mind and Body Strengthening. He's the uh, on-site trainer at Max 6 and he's got mitts like a bear. <laughs> That have come in handy. No, that's funny. So, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on is we wanted to talk about the future of work and what we see going forward and try to bring in some of the best minds to think about what are some things we should be considering as we build this new normal. And so, what trends have you seen in the fitness industry um, in the last year? Um, And then, what do you think is going to go forward? into the future. Okay. Um, I think in the current situation, I think home fitness 
seems to be, you know, you know, catch, I shouldn't say catch on, but, you know, is a good thing because people are doing something. Um, even though gyms are open, you know, limited capacity, um, some people are going to go to the gym and that's it. Whether they don't have the space at home, they need to go to the gym. They don't want to make the investment because it can be a great investment. Um, so I think, you know, moving forward, there will be, I think both will be there. I think, you know, at least for another maybe year or so. And then there's probably going to be a lot of deals on Craigslist of exercise equipment for home. Hmm. Because I think people are going to want to go back to the gyms because of the social aspect, um, just maybe the variety of equipment, if they, and also if they need help. And probably one of my biggest fears for people at home, um, you know, they'll look up on YouTube or do whatever is just, you know, poor form, or if they have an existing condition, they don't know how to address it properly. It could, it could get bad or they may not get out of the workouts what they should because they don't know. So I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm sure it probably will. But I think, you know, for the near future right now, people will probably home gyms are going to be, you know, popular. And then, when you probably, the indication that will probably be when you can start buying equipment again online or ordering stuff, that's probably going to be a signal. <laughs> the gyms are going to be the more gym, full when that's yeah. happening. And also, to, like, and also, and then in New York, and um, there was a gym owner, and I can't remember what part of New York he was in, but he's in the city of New York because, is de Blasio the mayor? Uh, no. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they sued the city and sued him, and they won. They took it all the way to the New York Supreme Court, and they won. And the Supreme and the judge said that he can open at 100% capacity, and returning to some sort of normalcy, it's time. So that really like put a you know I think a a foothold on future rulings of what's going to happen for the f- future of fitness because this guy put it all out there and he fought him and you know he won. You know obviously they still have to follow precautions and you know, things like that, but he can open 100% capacity. So I think so that's a good indication. That, oh, sorry, Scott. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, related to that in my mind is the statistic that you shared um, in our Zoom call a little bit before this that was staggering about the amount of time that we stay inside. Yeah, so, so the study was that like 90% of people's time is spent inside. And then another 3 to 5% is spent in a vehicle. So that's 95% of your time is inside something, not being outside. And that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, no. So that's not good. And the actual, the, actual, the article that I re- got those statistics from was an article talking about air quality inside buildings and your home. And, you know, it's all about filtration and how much airflow exchange. And it was, I mean, it was a very detailed report. It was pretty cool. But that statistic really stuck to me that of, A, how important it is for, you know, air conditions. But people just need to go outside. Get out. Um, we live in, especially for Arizona, like this time of year, like you cannot sell this. This is the best place. So, you know, I feel fortunate we have our fit trail outside. We can be outside. I mean, it's really nice out. And it's just a different experience, I think, getting people outside and doing that. Yeah, I think that's the, like, so if people are going to use their home gyms or stay home, I think that's the takeaway I took from it is that's great and good to continue to do that or get, get active however you can, but also get outside. There was the other day I was walking to get my mail and I hadn't been out in, I hadn't been outside all day. 
um, because I'm attached to my computer working away. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, it is the most beautiful day today. Like our weather is gorgeous. It's in the seventies and it feels like such a waste. So that is such a good reminder that, you know, even if you're doing some weights or watching a YouTube video or whatever you're doing for Arizona, at least. So, you you know, you guys have your gym at home in your garage, open the garage door, you know, you know, get just open it up, you know, go outside, do some stuff in the driveway. Um, and our neighbors can see us. Your neighbors may want to join you. You'll be inspiring. Yeah. There we go. You know, and the benefits of getting the sun, vitamin D, it just makes you feel better. I mean, there's so much, you know, good that comes from that. And we should be taking advantage of it. You and I, Scott, were talking the other day about something I've been thinking a lot about, which is Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how we've gotten into a weird place with society where we're so well covered for the most part, a lot of us in this country anyways, with like food, water, shelter. And we are sort of having to find our place now with social media and all this other stuff of like, what does it mean to get love and connection? And what does it mean to that you can be in your house all day, your, your shelter from the outside? Uh, you can have food. You, don't, you never have to leave. You can have food delivered to your door and work out at your home gym. Your home gym but what are you missing out on in this human experience that like by having it so well covered, you don't ever have to experience hardship or, or go outside or the sun or any of these elements that like we were meant to be a part of our lives. Yeah. Uh, so how do we reintroduce those things back into our lives when we don't have to now? Right. Because we're missing a big part of something that we were meant to uh, have in our lives. Well, if you're an introvert, this has been the best thing ever. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is probably like, yes, lock it down because then I don't have to worry about like being forced to go out to do something. But but beside that, I think the, the you know, social interaction, I mean, humans, you know, we want to be with other people. And, you know, I think we need that to be healthy. I think we need that interaction. You know, being locked up in your house and, you know, in your cave is you know, that's, you know, very isolating. And that can, I think, can lead to lots of bad things. And, um, you know, I think, be, you know, just getting out and engaging, whether you go for a walk, you see your neighbors, you, you know, you come to work for a little bit. I mean, I don't know, whatever you're comfortable with, but I think the interaction can make is much more, you know, healthier mentally than probably people realize. And they don't even probably know it yet. But I think you, you, like a lot of these companies are maybe, okay, just work from home. We're not going to have anything. You know, we're not going to, we're going to get rid of our offices. Everybody can work from home. I, I don't know. And that may change after a while because, you know, now people are going to be working probably more because they're going to be working their drive time there, drive time home more, you know, they're going to be more productive, but you know, they don't have the water cooler break. They're not going to go and talk about the game. I mean, who, you know, they're not going to run into somebody in the hallway and, you know, talk about fantasy football or, you know, any, any of that kind of stuff. And I think that's, that's a huge aspect of, you know, of human nature. We need that, you know, but and think, uh, go ahead, Jen. I'm sorry, Scott. It's okay. That's okay. That's right. I was just totally agreeing yeah. with your point that upon reflecting in the last year, which I've been working from home since March, it is those moments. It's, that's what I've missed with our team is, you know, when I'm beating Kyle terribly in fantasy <laughs> football. You're speaking to the league champion in fantasy right. football this year. <laughs> being able to run in or, you know, our team, every time you jump on a zoom call or you're doing a meeting, it's very agenda focused and driven. And like, this is what we're here to accomplish, but it's all those small moments and the water cooler moments that, that you're missing that I think is going to be the next challenge of how do we balance safety and health and wellness with, um, human connection 
but I also think that relates to health and wellness, right? There's so many people who, who, um, are more motivated when they can be collectively in a group. I know that I always do better when I'm like with a group, I have accountability. Um, and the other piece of it is it's similar to like the human interaction. You don't really know that you're missing it until like either you experience it. Um, like we just had a community call that you led Scott an hour ago and the feedback was, wow, I just enjoy connecting with other community members and, and just communicating. And I think that's the same thing with exercise is at least for me, my experience is it's wonderful when it's over. (laughs) <laughs> and you don't realize how much you need it until, it's, until you get it. And so without that social element, I wonder what the, like the long-term sustainability of, you know, all yeah. of this is, but individual workouts. So I like with, with my, with my little girl, Maggie, you know, she's an eighth grader. And so they were at, you know, home remotely for school for, you know, however her long. And I mean, she like, you know, my wife works from home and she has for a long time. So like nothing really changed for her except for like now me and Maggie were home. And, you know, so then she moved her office downstairs to the kitchen table to be around us because now we're there, even though she didn't allow us to talk because she's on the phone, but we are still there. You know, we're getting shushed all the time and turn the TV down or do this, whatever. But she was just like, Oh my, you know, like I could tell she was happier by us being there. But, I could see over time, Maggie was not happy because she was not with her friends and she wasn't at school and, you know, she didn't have, you know, like, like for PE, you know, and it wasn't enough to take, you know, daddy, take her out and playing football or, you know, doing stuff. I mean, she needed to play with her friends. And when they were allowed to return to school, immediately her mood changed. I could tell she was happier. She knew she was happier. And I just, I mean, I think for me, that was a small case study of a larger picture of what is, you know, society, what it's, what it's, what it is, because I think a lot of her friends were that way too. What do you, I'm trying to think of how to even phrase this question. I'm not sure. So let's see what comes out of my mouth. Okay. We talked about like the role of being like working out with people, being mm-hmm. in a space where it's this uh, social thing, as well as the benefits you're getting from the exercise. You are able to, from all of your experience, tell me, put your arm like this, not like this for doing a bicep curl. Yeah. But I think another part of it too, is that you're able to understand motivations beyond just that bicep curl is going to make my bicep stronger. But by doing it in this environment, I'll be more social, but also like, I'm curious how much you go into like, what are, what do you want out of this? Like, I think I should work out at the gym because I'm supposed to. And so I feel like I have to go to the gym versus like, I want to be around when my kids get older. I want to look good in front of the mirror with my shirt off, like whatever that is, like how much of that is brought into what you do all the time? I I mean, that's, you know, that has to drive it all. Because otherwise, like, why are we here? And, you know, if you're just here to go through the motions and you're going to be, you know, six weeks of, you know, I need to get ready for this, then, you know, I can't, that's not really who I'm looking for. And I, cause I'm looking for people that are long-term that want to make changes in their life to sustain for life, to play with their kids, play with their grandkids, you know, and I've had many older patients all of a sudden one day that I get a call, like, oh my God, I can't get off the freaking toilet. Cause they don't have the leg strength and you know, they like, well, I walk every day. Well, 
I'm sorry, but walking really doesn't do it. You know, you got to start bending your knees and your hips. And so you know, now it's catch up or, you know, bone density for, you know, young females to need to establish bone density early in life, work on maintaining it because it's easier to maintain as they get older in life than especially if they have a history of osteoporosis. So there's all these reasons. So, you know, you, sometimes it takes a little bit of digging to find out why people want to do that. And sometimes they don't even know. They just know that they should. But, you know, we got to try to frame it so they're, have, they have a purpose to keep showing up and to do it. And, you know, if it just starts off like you just feel better at the end of a workout, you know what? We'll take it. But how is that going to translate? I spend a lot, you know, some of my day, like I already had a phone call today with one of my clients. You know, she's having a rough go, you know, her and her mother-in-law. I mean, like, and she's falling off the wagon. You know, she's been eating like crap. She's starting to put all her weight back on. I'm like, oh my God. So I had like a 45-minute call with her. You know, she's in a parking lot somewhere. Like, you know, I'm assuming she had a cake in front of her, but I don't know. But, um, you know, but people need to like, you know, deal with, there's lots of issues out there that drive it. Food is people's friend a lot and, you know, bad habits. And so we just got to like, work on like what's going on in their life, where are they going, why they want to get there, and then just try to help them get there in some manner, you know, and have fun along the way because it's exercise, you know, and we should have a good time and it should be like the best part of your day. That's my goal, to have fun and leave you better than what you showed up at. That's the goal. So is that kind of what you're Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think, and I think Scott, you, you came across um, something that you offer your clients that is really helpful to help them not only discover their why or their purpose, but to build those sustainable practices. Um, so if you can talk to us a little bit about precision nutrition and kind of why you like it and how it helps your clients, I think that would be really helpful because that does get to the core of really that sustainable, what are you going to do every day? Um, yeah. So with precision nutrition, I mean, it was, it was something I had longed for for a long time. And then I finally came across it, watched it for at least a year or so, watched the, the guy who started it, you know, listened to him. And then it was just like, okay, this is like really like good stuff. They do a lot of research on, you know, human behavior. It's all, you know, scientifically based. The habits are based on, you know, science of, of habit change and human behavior. So it's, they're not arbitrarily just thrown out there. So they're, they're put in a way that's going to help people establish those habits. So you get an email every day, a new habit every two weeks, some habits you return to, to reinforce, but there's, you, it just takes a few minutes a day. You start your day off with it. You just read it. Some of it, you have some input back into of answering some questions of whatever they may be asking. And then I also get, when you save it, I get that information. So then now I kind of know where you're at and I can engage with you and kind of follow up and make the accountability part of it trigger. Because, you know, even though people will provide that information, sometimes they need more context on why it is and helping them figuring out of why they answered it that way. Because they might just be going through the motion. Oh, I just got to answer it, put it down. But then when they get questioned about it, there's sometimes that's a little bit more depth and it's, there's more benefit to that. So, you know, it's a year-long program, and they believe it takes nine months to change habits. If you follow their, you know, what they're saying, so you got nine months, and then you have a few months afterwards to really ingrain those, and then, you know, and then the hope is not all habits are going to stick, but there's a base of habits, like three or four, that you want people to stick with that are constantly reinforced that they can always go back to. And that still happens today after, 
a couple years. I've had a couple people, you know, they always go back to the foundational ones. Chewing slowly, 80% full. I mean, those are two of the biggest ones. And those can you can never go wrong on. You can never forget those. Those are easy, easy to remember, and they're easy to cue. So those can get you easily back on track, and you can get some benefit out of it. And then that can lead to other things too. What do you... What, what do you say to, uh, we're talking about like on this podcast in general, like the future of work and how does this have to do with the future of work? Because I think you asked the right question in something you said is like, then what are we here for? Like what, that's the right question. What are we here for? Why are we here? Yeah. And so from asking that question, like how would you, you're working with team logic downstairs as a team, like what does the future of look like, work look like? I think it's bringing your whole self to work, right? And that being like you, who you want to be, what do you want to do? Why are you here? Do you see any difference of like working with a, a company like that? And like, hey, here's a value proposition of why your company should get involved versus like I come to you individually and say, I want to do something. I mean, is there any difference at all or is it is it all just working with those individuals? Well, I think, you know, statistically, when you when companies are doing a you know, a corporate challenge, you you may get 10% participation. Not everyone's going to participate. And that comes from, I think, leadership. Because, you know, as a whole, you know, if, it, if, if they're not doing it at the top and they're not making the decisions and they're not leading by example, people that are looking up to that, that person, is, it's not going to happen. So I think that's very important. So, Lee, um, you know, I'm talking about uh, Lee. Oh, Lee Benson. Lee Benson. Yep. Yep. So he, that guy, he had like, he had it figured out. So he had a 10,000 square foot gym put in his facility. He had what, 500 employees. He had locker rooms put in and he had the motivation put out there for health insurance. So if you did three workouts a week and the workouts were all structured, you couldn't go to the gym by yourself. You had to go through a group led with his trainers program because they had it all laid out. And so if you did three a week for the month, he covered 100% of the health, health insurance costs. If you didn't, then you're responsible for your 20%. And it would change month to month. So you had a chance. So it wasn't all the time. And that was, and he also offered that to the families. They could come and work out the kids and whatever. But that was something different. But he said it was saving him a million bucks a year. Wow. Yeah. And he's like, if it didn't save me money, I wouldn't do it. But he's like, I'm saving the money not only because they're participating, but, you know, less missed work on time, less injuries. The, uh, the culture and the atmosphere are much more positive around here. And also too, like he said, like he was working out himself and cause you're working out with people of all different levels in the company, janitors, engineers, I don't know, whatever. And so he was working with a girl that worked in his admin office, which was huge, but he never really had a chance to talk to her by working out next to her. He found out that she had a passion for, I don't know, X. And he's like, wow, I never knew that. So he talked to her direct supervisor. You know, they did, you know, some stuff. They got her reassigned, put her in a role. She's in, and she thrived. But she never would have said anything or came to him because she didn't want to seem ungrateful. But it was just a general conversation, relaxed atmosphere. And he's like, and he's like, and that's happened a lot. You know, I don't know what a lot means, but, you know, enough to where it was a benefit for him to have that or to find out what's going on in the company. Um, so I think when you get a higher participation rate, the leadership is participating. 
I think that's key. Otherwise, you know, people are just kind of maybe going through the motion. Yeah. But I think, you know, the more that people can participate and there's, you know, a slight competitive to it. Some people are more competitive. Some people don't like to be, but I think if you can kind of meet in the middle a little bit and get people engaged, get them rolling where they can have some fun with it, that's got to be the, it's, you got to have fun with it. And it can't be so burdensome that it's not because people aren't going to do it. That's the the fascinating thing to me with conscious capitalism is this sort of endless debate on, is it the money the most important thing that you're saving because you're you're doing this initiative? Or is it the good thing that you're doing by getting people to be healthier? And it's like, who cares? Yeah. Are it, they both aligned and doing the same thing? It doesn't matter what your motivation is. If he, even if Lee is only motivated by saving a million dollars, cool. Yeah. He's still affecting all these people's lives, including his own and his business in a positive direction. And their families. And their families. That's, yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And and he also participated. I, I think that's an interesting thing because I, I see it in you a lot is that uh, I think when people hear fitness trainer, they think unapproachable. If they're new to it, if they don't know, they haven't been to the gym in a while, yeah. if they've been to a gym where the people are super aggressive and trying to sell them something or whatever, but you're very approachable, whether it's, uh, and we'll talk about some of the programs that you do with the gym, like whether it's uh, these younger kids you're training or people that work at Max 6 or older pe people that are very approachable. I mean, it makes Lee more approachable uh, as a business leader to be just working out alongside someone. Yeah. I'm just another person becoming healthier, working on myself next to you. I'm not CEO of this 500-person company that you have to cut through red tape to come yeah. have a conversation. We're all breathing the same air. Right. Yeah. Guys, we should pitch this to Undercover Boss. This is their next season. Every company has to put a gym in their company, <laughs> and then the CEO just works out. And then I guess you'd have to be disguised, but we can figure that out. But I think this is a great concept. Well, yeah, but I mean, so I mean, People are relaxed in the gym. Like, you know, we were talking earlier, Jen, like for me personally, when I'm in the gym, I'm working out, my mind just opens up. It's free. Lots of ideas come. You can just relax. And, you know, it's a good feeling. And, and so I'm sure that happens a lot. And you can find out lots of stuff. So I have three questions for you. And I'm sure Kyle has a bunch more. Okay, shoot. <laughs> my one, my first question is, do you have clients that you work with that are consistent, that they just show up all the time. They don't fall off. They're like your, your perfect students. Yep. Okay. So what do they do that those of us that are not so perfect, like what's the difference between them and people who have a more difficult time? Um, well, I can tell you, I have one client that I had in Michigan that I started with him in physical therapy. So that was essentially like at the beginning of my career. And he actually lives in Arizona now. He moved here right before I did. So I've been training him for 24 years or something. And when I, we first started off, it was five days a week, Monday through Friday, 5.30. It was a 5 or 5.30 a.m. I was at his house. And now it's three days a week. And he has, ne I mean, even now with Zoom, whether I'm, whatever, it's, it's on the schedule. It never varies. It's always the same. I never, I just put it in my calendar forever. And he only lets me when he knows when he's not going to be there. Otherwise, I'm there. But like, what's, what's, So what motivates him to do that? 
Yeah. Or how to like, do you, do you have observations about people who are more successful with achieving consistency compared to those that struggle? Like, um, are- you know, I mean, you know, for him, it's just, he's, he's schedule orientated. He's busy all the time. He has phone call to phone call, meeting to meeting to meeting. This is just part of it. And I've had other people in the, that are back in Michigan, other CEOs that were friends of his that were exactly the same. But I don't think that comes just because you're a CEO. I think that's because they just schedule it. They're dedicated to it. And they're not going to change it because, you know, he wants to continue to play tennis until the day he dies. He loves tennis. He has a, a very rare neck condition that needs to be managed. So that's another motivation for him. He has become one of my good friends. So we have lots of fun. I'm training his daughter now. So, I mean, and she's essentially the same as him. So yeah. she's on the schedule. It's going to be that way unless she tells me that she's not going to be there. Um, so I don't know what drives them over other people besides maybe they're more, they just have their schedule. And some people are more, I don't, I don't, I don't know, Jen. I don't know if it's more freelance or if it's personality. I don't know. What do you guys think? I feel like you hit it on the head for me in what you were saying is it's kind of what, well, it is what we say at Max 6 and what we talk about all the time is having clarity on your why or your purpose. Like if you, I have a hypothesis, I have nothing to back this up in this context, that if you have clarity on why you want to show up, you're probably much more likely to show up consistently and when it's something beyond that, like I want to look good on vacation or, yeah. you know, those are, those are fine goals, but when it's like a deeper long-term purpose. But, and I also you... think too, like his, you know, his assistant, like everybody knows this time he's working out, nothing changes. Don't ever schedule anything. Don't ask me. We're working out. That's my time. And I think he never allows, and I can and actually, I can think of the other guys too. They've never allowed that time to be infringed upon. Hmm. it's very rarely i mean unless he's on a a call and it's got you know whatever but i can i can tell you this for this in this last year it's happened less than one hand on one hand wow it's it's uh the motivation thing i mean we just made it past new year's right and all the new year's resolutions that you typically hear i want to weigh x i want to stop eating X. I want to eat more of X, but you don't hear the, I want to be able to play uh, tennis when I'm 75 years old. No, there's no long-term goal. So what is, what are those things that people say is an important part in my life? Not just because I want to drop 20 pounds right now because I feel like I should, because it's new year's, but In 20 years from now, what I'm doing today is going to consistently follow through because I want this to be a part of my life. Yeah. I think um, I think that may come with a little bit of age because when you're younger, you feel like you can do anything. Um, and I'll, But I'll, I'll just have a side note, unless you're, you know, you're really heavy or something's happened to you that it's like been like, oh, like a real awakening. But for most people, when they're younger, excuse me, they just feel like they can do it because they're young. They're, you know, their hormones are at the top of their, you know, love their peak. They, you know, life is easy, but as time goes on and, or you get an injury, then realization sets in and it's like, okay, I need to like, you know, get my shit together. Yeah. And I got to be focused. 
But I can say that like, even when I worked in physical therapy, people would have major back surgery, major, and they'll go through therapy. And then we had a very extensive home program. Okay. Where, where are you going to work out when you're done with this? Okay. We're going to work out at home. Okay. This is what you should do. Blah, 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 blah. And we would cover the last few weeks of the therapy, practice their home exercises, go over all the stuff. It was like, like it was an amazing clinic, but I can tell you after they were discharged, some of those people were back a year later. And they're just like, oh, I have to keep this up forever? Like, that was all covered. And they start having back issues again, or they start having nerve pain again. And then it took a second time for them to realize, like, it's real. They're like a lifetime management position of that injury. But we should all be in a lifetime management position of our body because it's only one. Yeah. We don't get another, we don't get another, we don't get another one. And if you mess up the first one, I mean, our body is amazing because it takes so much abuse and it can still bounce back and you can still move forward. And I think, you know, it's just, I think the human body is truly amazing in that the abuse it can take and we got to take better care of it. And it, 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 you know, in sitting in chairs and just grinding and grinding for work and work and work, you know, people have to make money, but what, what good is it going to do if you can't go out and go ride your bike or play with your kids or kick the ball around or, you know, um, like earlier in our call with Eddie and, um, you know, I'm, it, it's gotten away from him. He was a college athlete and now he's got a little eight-year-old. I'm sure that eight-year-old wants to play soccer and kick the ball around, but he's got to get back into it and that's, that can drive them. So, um, so Scott, I think, I think we all set, most of us set big lofty goals in January yep. and then we've, fail miserably by February. And then I think there's a lot of guilt and shame and self-talk and all these things that happen in our head when we aren't successful. When in reality, perhaps we didn't set ourselves up for success and there could be a whole bunch of stuff um, there. So I guess I have two part question is when you do fall off this health wagon, what, what should be your next step? How do you get back on the wagon? And then the next thing is, uh, the second part of the question is, are there a few tips that you could give us on how do you set yourself up for success when you're setting a goal? So to answer your second part first is you got to figure out, like we talked about earlier, like, why are you doing it? Why are you doing this? Why are you going to show up? Why are you putting the time in? That has to be defined. And then that can drive, that can drive you forward. So even in like with your first part of your question, people are setting off, you know, their new year's resolution goals. Whenever I hear someone say they're set off their new resolution goals, I know it's going to be over and it's it's worthless because it's not going they're not going to finish it because it's they're already telling me it's a short term as opposed to like when they go on a diet or whatever it's it's all short term so that's I mean the the biggest part of success is figuring out your why and then just you know take a tidbit so if you do make a res, New Year's resolution how can you just take part of that and extend it you know for a year or whatever. Or if you need to make a goal, like I want to, you know, run a race, you know, compound that for another, you know, six months away out or something. If you need to have a goal, make something out there that's going to make you work towards something. And then if you got to keep doing that, then keep doing that and just keep leapfrogging it because that'll help build consistency and that'll keep you on track if you need something to focus on. So not everyone can just show up and just work out and be happy. You know, if you don't have something to work towards, it's, it's you know, it's, it's pretty tough to help somebody get there. So the, the tidbit, I would just take a small piece and try to like focus on it, get back on track, whether it's 
okay, I'm going to like just eliminate sugar part of the week, or I'm going to like limit my portions, or I'm going to eat slowly today, or, you know, anything like that, just to get you back on track, get your mind working again, focusing on moving forward. Don't worry about, you know, what's happened in the past, or you fell off the wagon, doesn't matter, it's history. Move forward, make the correction. Okay, I think I think that's one thing that I know even myself personally is when when we're I'm working with you, I'm doing great, but then I have an off day or I don't do what I say I'm gonna do, you feel so guilty. And so then that guilt, you go, at least for me, go to avoidance versus what I've so appreciated about you is at any moment, at any time, when I've been willing to come back to you and say, I've I didn't make my commitment, but I'm ready to recommit. You're there with open arms and you have that same attitude of like, all right, well, let's just not focus on the past and let's just focus on what we can move forward. So I think um, I would encourage anyone who feels, has that experience or feels that to just take some deep breaths when you hear the self-talk coming in, realize that we can't do anything about the past and then just what can we do to move forward. And then one quickly other piece that I wanted to add that I wanted to share. Um, I was listening to a podcast about habits and how they form. And they said it was interesting. Um, they did, they've done the study and it's been replicated a couple of times that if you're, if a gym is 3.5 miles from someone's house, they are likely to go to that gym. If they have a membership three times a week, if the gym is five miles from their house, they will go one time a week. And they talk a lot about resistance and how you have to make, if you're wanting to build a positive habit, you've got to make it as easy as possible for yourself and setting systems up. So the lady, the researcher, I was laughing because I literally do this, is she said, sleep in your running clothes if you go running in the morning so that when you wake up, you have no excuse. And so I do that and I sleep in my running clothes every (laughs) night, but literally it's so much easier when I get up. So I don't know if you have any additional thoughts, but I thought you might be interested. Yeah. So um, the mileage thing, if, it, if it's not convenient, people aren't going to do it. It's got to be easy. It's got to be, you know, you know, if it's, if, if it's, you know, as humans, we, we always look for the path of least resistance and, you know, obviously more, you know, five miles is a resistance for people to go to drive to the gym as a, you know, statistically. So whatever, but if it's not convenient, it's not easy people are going to struggle to do that. So Jen, for you to walk out in your garage should be very easy to exercise. Here at Max 6, the gym is literally right below us. So people that come to work should work out. There's a shower. I mean, you guys have made it so easy for this community to do this. You know, we have the outside facilities now. You know, so I think in this community, convenience is not, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) And, um, but for, you know, but if, you know, like a lot of people, you know, if they work here and they, you know, they drive by lifetime on the way home, they drive by, they can just pull in. It's convenient. They can work out. They live a couple blocks away. Then they're home. They can just pack their bag. So, so yeah, I totally, totally agree with that because it's been stated for a long time. If it's not easy and convenient, people aren't going to do it. So we probably have about enough time for our couple extra special questions. Oh. I want to make sure we get to, <laughs> which I always preface by saying they have nothing to do with anything other okay. than our own interests and we're <laughs> compiling answers. Okay. So I'll start with mine. What is your favorite book of all time? My favorite book. I can't remember the name of it, Okay. but it was, I probably read it 20 years ago. So this was a while ago, but it was kind of a futuristic book and it was about computer espionage. Huh. 
And I have that book somewhere in my house in a box and I've wanted to reread it, but I have yet to find it. I know it's somewhere, but I loved that book. It was like, it was so like, like I could envision it. Like I could see it. Like it was so well written. And I just, so. Was it fiction or nonfiction or? Oh, it was, you know, it was fiction. Fiction. But yeah, I mean, yeah. probably today, it's not fiction. It's not fiction anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, the characters were amazing. And I just like, oh, I couldn't put it down. Seriously. Very cool. And it was just like one of these things. I was at the grocery store. I was like, oh, this book looks kind of cool. And I'm like, oh, this looks really good. And I took it home. I started reading. I couldn't put it down. And that was it. It's been my favorite book. So. Very cool. Yeah. So I'm sorry I don't have a name for you. I, it's fine. I'm endlessly <laughs> fascinated by people's answers to this question. <laughs> so for my question, what's one thing that you've learned um, last year? So we used to saying this year um, that you plan to carry forward into 2021. What have I learned in any aspect of life? Yeah. Work, whatever. Or mm-hmm. are we talking about work here since this is a work podcast? No, any life lesson. I, you know, I learned that, you know, transitioning from people to Zoom workouts was easier than I thought. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I'm, and I'm going to go back to my days of physical therapy, and this may be just a little bit within me too, because I think, you know, being able to watch somebody and critique them and watch for poor form or correct form and, or help them do something, you can do that on Zoom even though there's some loss if you don't have some hands-on, you know, connection with them. But I thought, I thought it was pretty good. I'm, you know, proud of all my people that did Zoom and for, you know, for, for, for trying it and sticking with it. Um, I thought it was a good experience. I thought, you know, we did the community one here. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I thought it went well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, there's something to, to, you know, to grow on that. And I think, you know, um, and I got, I, as I share with Kyle this morning, Steve uh, gave me a compliment that I'm in the 70 percentile for, you know, um, technology knowledge. So I feel very, for my age, he, as he says. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say that is a high compliment coming from him. I yeah. know. And uh, so I feel you know, I have some little bit of room improvement, but I think I'm doing okay. So I feel my, you know, my tech skills are okay this year. <laughs> so we have a couple minutes left. I don't want to end this without asking you to at least quickly talk about the new warrior program. Okay. So unfortunately, the new warrior program this, this, this year has been a little slow because of just everything that's going on. But um, the new warrior program is a program for people that are going into the service and they're just, they need help in preparation for their physical and their nutrition going into it, whether they need to lose weight, get in shape, get prepared for the tests that they're going to have to enter boot camp. I try to provide some of their some of these skills and nutrition knowledge. I use some of the basis from Precision Nutrition, so they can use this for a lifetime. And we had great success with that. I've had, well, I think almost like 200 people go through the program. From all my feedback and my knowledge, I think I had very good results with it in preparing these kids. They also, you know, made friends while they were in the program because a lot of these kids don't know each other or when they go to their meetings, they don't really talk to each other because they're, you know, they're just sitting there and they have to listen to their, you know, superiors or whatever. So they don't get to interact with each other. So I made, they made friendships in addition to, you know, you know, changing, you know, some of their physical aspects and their nutrition eating. And um, so that program worked out great. There was no charge for them to do this. I just asked for a commitment, you know, Hey, I'm giving you my time. 
I'm expecting it and back and, you know, don't waste my time. Well, thank you for continuing to do this. And yeah. it's just, it's always, uh, I always love coming in there. And the way I describe it is these kids that are about to go get their asses kicked at boot camp, and he kicks their asses before they get their asses kicked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's always, I always enjoy seeing them in there and working hard and, well, and seeing the results and like, what does that mean for our country and the bigger picture? And it's, that's awesome. You know, and, and I also you know some of these kids I'm still in touch with, even after a few years, um, you know, and their wives, because, you know, I allowed their wives to come. So I felt, you know, having a, you know, having somebody else in their household, having their, you know, spouse be part of it was really helped, you know, strengthen that, that aspect of it and keep them motivated. But I think it, it, you know, a couple of the wives, you know, they were, you know, they changed and I'm very proud of them. So, you know, I still hear from them. They're still doing their exercise. They're still working out. They're still doing stuff. So I think we did a good thing there. That's awesome. And we'll continue to do it. Definitely. So can you tell anybody listening how we can find you online? So you can find me online. You can go to my website, mindandbodystrengthening.com. And just, you can, there's a contact form there. You can contact me through there. You can email me at scott at mindandbodystrengthening. Um, just shoot me an email. And I'll get back to you. And you're accepting new clients outside of Max 6, inside of Max 6. Yeah, whoever needs some help. Okay, good. Well, thank you, Scott Marsh, for being on our show, the founder and owner of Mind and Body Strengthening. It was, uh, uh, as always, great to talk to you. Yes, I, you know, thank you guys. And uh, I'm so, like, lucky to be the first guest. <laughs> I, ho I, I hope that has some meaning someday. When we look back, like, I wish I could have been the first one. <laughs> It already has a meaning in my book. Oh, oh thank you, Jen. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Future of Work, Water Cooler Conversations radio show and podcast with your hosts, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. We are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive and shining a light on local business leaders who are defining what a healthy and productive workplace looks like in Arizona and beyond. To be a part of the conversation, join us for a tour of the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona. Go to max6.com.